Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, my guest today is a, you're an OG. You can't say anything. He is an OG. He was, the, ooh, he was there when I started getting traction in Hollywood. And part of the reason why. Very funny comedian, very funny actor. He was already doing big things when I started. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bruce Fine. Jamie, I think the correction needed, the early correction, is that we were both in the inspired and aspiring phase at the same time. You had more clout, though, when I started. I think so, because you were already at the L.A. Cabaret. Okay. And I think you were in... I had won the funniest person in in the the Valley Valley contest. contest. The funniest person (laughs) in the Valley I, I forgot have, to do that. Have, Use your credit. I have an incredible story for you on that. Bruce Fine. Wait, S- go second ahead. Place, second place. That was 1991. Carlos Mencia. Number one? Still pissed. To this day, when I see him. Can't believe you beat me in that contest. Wait, you beat him? <laughs> yes. You were number one. I was an unknown. Carlos was uh, a regular at the comedy store and the clubs. And um, I closed with my Andrew Nice Clay, the nice man. Do you remember I that? I remember that was your big you closer. That? Wait, how did it go? <laughs> you could do a so, teeny bit. So, so... Uh, uh, the story on that was Dice was huge and, and we're all aspiring and I was never a guy looking for a hook. I was, I just wanted to be Seinfeld and Leno, you know, I just wanted to come out and do funny stand up stuff. The opposite of you, you hate jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Hate <laughs> Even back then your signature bit was Jim Morrison as a kindergarten teacher <laughs> and you were like doing like a, you were acid trip on the floor of the stage and everybody's like, what is this? And I'm like, this is great. This is like Andy Kaufman. You know, this is awesome. Am I killing you with these references? I love you, bro. Right. God, right. it's touching. Like an elephant. Yeah. So, so uh, we were at Jerry's Deli with all the comics. It was like Chris Spencer, uh, Sula McCullough, Sean Wayans, uh, Alex Thomas. We were just hanging out at Jerry's Deli two in the morning. Yeah. And Dice was the biggest thing in comedy. He was, he was, people were lining up, up Sunset to see him when he was at the comedy store. Um, and it was like when he was exploding. So we were just amazed by it because here we are, we're like open micers, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, people, we're just begging people to get on stage and people are lining up to pay to see this guy. So mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was the first superstardom we were witnessing. Mm-hmm. Live stream, right? He was, it was, Steve Martin said it, it was the 70s with Steve Martin, the 80s was Eddie Murphy, the 90s was Dice. I mean, the early, the late 80s, early 90s. He was the third arena act. As far as like being like the Elvis of comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And and uh, so we were, and everyone was goofing around and, and just doing like Dice impressions and like being even dirtier than he was. And, you know, and I just said, um, I just said, it wouldn't be funny uh, to be Andrew Nice Clay. And just the premise got like a laugh from comics. So I thought it had something. And then I was just like, you know, uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable, right? I take this chick out in a movie back to my place. Uh, I didn't lay a hand on her. Oh. <laughs> She's like, nice. Why won't you kiss me? Why won't you kiss me? I'm like, sweetheart, come on. Can't we just be friends? Oh. And Bro, it was, it, yeah, it's still funny, huh? Is it still I funny? fucking <laughs> remember this. You would murder with that leather jacket closer. Bro, I remember you had the leather jacket. <laughs> this was thirty-one years ago. Ninety-one. It was. This ninety-one, bro. Dude, that's such a good impression. Like such a perfect on impression. <laughs> so wait, so you came up with it in Jerry's? 
Come up with a jersey. Coming up, and all this stuff happened so fast. So it was the summer of of ninety one. I'm here three years. I'm waiting tables. Where? Um, uh, started at La Loja in Studio City, then Tribeca and Beverly Hills. Worked La Toque on Sunset. Got fired from everyone. As soon as they find out you're a waiter, you're a waiter, you're a comic, actor, comic. Yeah. Forget about it. Um, because there's a lot of celebrities going to those places. Mm-hmm. I had a resume for restaurants. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just you know get a, any job back then. Now they'll beg anybody to work in a restaurant. Back then, I needed a resume, which I had. Ken Steakhouse was like you know world famous salad dressing. I worked at Ken Steakhouse every job. I remember Jerry's was the get, but he had to start as a busboy, and even that was hard to get. Um, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he was a busboy there. So wait, so you, wow, Ken Steakhouse. It's so crazy, because I said Jerry's, and you said Jerry's. So here's the story. So I come out to be a comedian. From Boston. I'm in high school. What was your light bulb moment? When did you say to yourself, as a young Jamie Kennedy, I want to do that? I don't want to be like these other people in my neighborhood. I don't want to be working for the factory. I don't want to be working with my family in the insurance business or the factory business. I want to do comedy. Uh, Light bulb, light bulb. The baby was like, I felt different. I felt odd. I felt off and I could mimic people and people would laugh. So that was like a feedback loop. But really, it was a long story. I was starting to take a local acting class in Philly. I was like, I'll try. I don't know what this is. And long, it's a long story, but I got to be an extra in a movie called Dead Poet Society. And once I, I got on that set and I grabbed a carrot and Robin Williams was dipping carrot in a hummus, I was, was done. It was a God intervening moment. Similar circumstance. I was at Boston University as a wrestler and I was getting interested in, 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 in entertainment. Oh, you do a lot. As Division One wrestler. And I found out that this television show, Spencer for Hire, was looking... <sighs> For extras, you okay. Know, and they wow! Desperately looking for ABC show, and uh, I read the books in high school. Robert B. Parker. I did too. Awesome, right? Dude was so similar. Wow, it's crazy, right? Yes. So I that was the only the, book you could read about famous people. It, it was awesome, and right? how to do stuff. And I love that, like the heat, that, like he was cool with the ladies, but he also like cooked. Mm-hmm. Describe how he was cooking. I, I became that guy. I'm like cooking. Yeah. You see my my video? Yes. Like, I need what's a good for dinner cook. with Bruce? So I end up going to. Uh, this casting office, and they're like, oh, you're great. We're going to use you. So I did like 10 episodes. In, as an extra. In one year, as an extra. Because it was such a small talent pool. So like, the, one week, I was at Fenway Park playing a fan. Like, we're shooting at Fenway Park. Next week, Lexington Concord. The Battle of Lexington Concord. There was a, a real shooting. Like some supposed to be muskets, and then someone got shot. Every week, it was fun. And then High school or college? College. Okay. And then I go to lunch, and there's like, Four tables, three tables for the whole set. So I'm talking to Robert Yurick wow. and Avery Brooks. Wow. And I'm like, I'm thinking about going to L.A. And they're giving me advice. Can you imagine an extra coming up to the star of the show out here in L.A.? Security would take them away. No, that's it was insane. A different world. You got, it's and the, the access society, you got. Yes. You had, you had access. I didn't talk to Robin. I tried to. But, mm. I, but I just being on a set, seeing people that were 83 and a 12-year-old kid, we were all... Mm extras and we all were like this is amazing so we're all unified by the creative spirit it was a it was a different time yeah it really was so my light bulb moment if i just do a quick quick rewind my light bulb moment was high school tonight show watching comedians and i never missed you know we we recorded them on vcrs and, and i'd watch it if i couldn't stay up or whatever and i saw this young comedian jerry seinfeld and i was like wait a minute i was just goofing around with my friends talking about a similar thing this guy's getting paid that's a job 
Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Was it the sock and the dryer bit? That's when I first discovered Seinfeld. It was the tuxedo bit about, uh, and then it was the payphone. Yeah, when, when you would go over the time and they would call the phone would ring back. Yeah, and then and you goes you, you got all the I forget how he how he did but yeah you, you know that you had all the confidence like uh, the operator on you put in more money. Oh yeah, sweetheart. You know what? I didn't think the connection was that good. You hear that? Tap tap. That's a quarter, babe. Like you know, it was just <laughs> I like remember that. it was just like sarcastic and it was arrogant and it was hilarious and mm-hmm. it was real life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna do that light bulb. And that was junior year in high school. So I graduate, go to BU, I wrestle, and then um, do you get a scholarship? They didn't have a lot of money for wrestling. But B, Ho- you went hockey. to BU. Yeah, hockey, forget about it. Yeah, there's like 80, 80 scholarships for hockey. You went to BJU? BJU, and I did... Uh, or Emerson, too, is another big one. School of Management, was called SMG. Yeah, okay. Sex, Money, and Greed. <laughs> and, and, and who did I go to, to BU with? Uh, I went to an open mic to try to do comedy, uh, and there was Greg Fitzsimmons. Wow. He's from, Boston. For BU. Wow. And another fellow student, a guy named Jeff Lipschultz. Comedian, right? Jeffrey Ross. Oh, shit. That, those were the BU. That was his name? That's his real name? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm te- He's a I'm Boston gonna, guy, too? I'm going to teach you a lot in this next hour, James. Dude, you're insane. Okay, I know you are. Boston, yep. Wait, he? I thought he was a Jersey guy. Wow. He, yeah, he's from Jersey. Went to BU. And literally... It really is. By the time so we graduated... So many people went to BU. By the time we graduated, like four years later... Or a couple years later, not not long after, Jeff was on Letterman doing the poems and and taking off for the first time. Yeah, like four yeah. years. Yeah, out yeah. of college. Yeah, like wow. Two years. Yeah, and that was like you know, that was Jeff with hair and Jeff doing cutesy stuff, and he he evolved into the roast master general that we all know and love. Mm. Um. So at any rate, light bulb goes off. Seinfeld. That's what I'm gonna do. Now I'm gonna take you to Jerry's Deli, and we're goofing around with the nice clay. And now, the week that changed my life. The week that I went from being a waiter to show business. Finals of the uh, Funniest Person in the Valley is on a Tuesday night mm-hmm. in, uh, in, 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 in 1991. Yeah, it was on a Tuesday. Before, before the finals. And they had judges. Celebrity judges. And it was packed. Milton Berle. No! Phyllis Diller. No! Um, uh, Dana, uh, Gary Owen. Wow. The, the, the announcer of laughing. Like, legendary comedy icons were sitting in Encino at this table judging us. It was insane. Why did they do that? It was unbelievable. Because it was like every, you know, they the, the Valley Magazine and the sponsors, they just, you know, they, they made it happen. Do people listening understand how crazy this is? This was <laughs> the greatest comedy club in the Valley. L.A. Cabaret. Well, the only comedy club in the Valley. And this is before there was any, any last comic standing. There was never anything like contest. This but was the th- only one. You had legends. I remember how humongous this contest was. So outside in the parking lot, mm-hmm. an hour before we're going to do the, the, the show, mm-hmm. America's Funniest People is there with the guys with the big cameras. Remember they had these huge cameras? Byron. And no. Uh, Dave Coulier. Dave Coulier, that's, yeah, right, right. that's right, that's right. So America's Funniest Videos was such a success with Saget, they spun it off and did America's Funniest I remember videos. this, yes. And that was a lot of comedians' opportunity to do their bits and get stuff, you know, get, get stuff on TV and get paid and get seen, right? Yes, I remember we all tried to get in front of that camera. It was a top 10 show. Yes. Al Berman was there. Yes. Okay, the whole crew. Yes, right? yes. Okay, Julian Jones and, and, and Stevie D and, wow. and Bobby Lee, everybody, right? Okay. So, so we're at, we're out in the parking lot, mm-hmm. and they're like, do you have anything? And I'm going, oh, yeah, I got this, this Andrew Nice Clay thing. Oh, let's do it. I do it out in the parking lot. 
I think know, I was there. You know, Mother Goose, remember her? I read the books. Whatever, right? Everything was a flip. So, <laughs> right? Wait, so, this is they came to the valley. Be nice to people, okay? So, yeah. so this is the valley. So do that in the parking lot. Do my little Andrew Nice Guy bit. Then I go do the contest. Win the contest. I win $1,000. This is 91. And, and a year of bookings and press. And I'm basically, overnight, for me, I'm in show business, right? Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I get, a, I get a work lunch shift the next day, but I'm wired. It's now 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Everyone's left, right? And I'm like, I just got to go to Jerry's Deli by myself, I guess, and get some soup and celebrate that I'm now a comedian. Yeah. Walk into Jerry's Deli. Yeah. First table, Jerry Seinfeld. No! Sitting with Larry David, Michael, the, the, the cast of Seinfeld, the light bulb, the guy that made me say, I want to do this. I win that contest, and I walk into Jerry's Deli an hour later, and there's Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David, Michael, the cast of Seinfeld, they had rehearsal night, and they went to Jerry's. And I said to my waiter, I want to get that check. And the guy goes, Seinfeld's table? I'm like 23 years old, right? Yes. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I can't explain it. I, I, let me get that check. Make sure I get that check, right? And so he goes, okay. So all of a sudden, you know, 20 minutes later, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Larry did, whoa, 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 Bruce, whoa, whoa. So they're like, hey, come on over. Hey, what, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? So I walk over. I don't know any of these people. I'm like, well, you know what? You can't pick up our check. What are you doing? You're a kid. I said, look at it, look at it. I just have to explain to you when I was in high school, I saw you, Jerry, and I said, I want to do comedy. You inspired me. Tonight, can't make this up, I won the funniest person in the Valley contest. I won $1,000. I want to spend some of it on you guys. I feel like it's a, it's a pay. And they're looking at me like, wow, this is crazy, right? And then uh, Seinfeld, without missing a beat, goes, uh, doesn't Roseanne live in the Valley? <laughs> <laughs> not, not, Congratulations. Oh my God. Great job. Those are the rules. I live in the valley. Oh my God. And, 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 right? and I go, yeah, but she wasn't in the contest. Oh, okay. great. Yeah, comeback. yeah. I, she wasn't in the contest. And then, um, so Larry, they all congratulate me. I met Larry Charles, Larry David, Julia, Michael, everyone, right? Oh my God. And they're God. like, hey, good luck with your career and all that. And, uh, and you got the check. And I, and I think, I think Larry David said, I should have ordered the lobster. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone had a line. It was funny. And I walked you away. You paid for the check though. I picked up the check. Yeah. It's like, it would say 80 bucks. I just, yeah. I just won a grand. Yeah. So, um, I ended up that week. That's, that's Tuesday night. Pretty good, right? Insane. Okay. 91. Thursday, my commercial agent calls and says, you got the Bud Dry commercial. Why ask why? Remember those? Why ask why? I remember you got this. Too tall, too short. That was me, too short guy. Yes. And, and, and too weird. That was guy looked like you. No, it was, yes. it was Sean Whalen. Remember Sean Whalen? Yes. Of course, he's a great actor. Yes. So book that. You know, beer commercials were like 10, 15,000 back then, which is like 40,000, 50,000 now, right? Plus okay. residuals. That was, that was Thursday. Tuesday. Thursday. Ready for this? Friday. Phone rings. Mm. Real phone ringing because yeah. we didn't have anything else. And uh, it was my agent. Yeah. Um, America's Funniest People called. And they want you to come down to the show on Sunday. You're going to be on the show Sunday. You're one of the three finalists. So the Tuesday night clip, they rushed to put me in the next show. I go to the, to the show. This girl in my acting class named Christina. Christina okay. Kulik at the time. Married to Bruce Kulik, lead guitarist of Kiss. 
Jesus. She, she was in my acting class. We were friends. They got married. And I said, Bruce, I need to borrow your wife. Because I, I was like, you know, I need like a Christy Brinkley. I'm Billy Joel over here. Yeah. Like a Christy Brinkley. And I show up on TV set. No problem, buddy. You can borrow my wife. Wow. Christina's, I'm sitting in there with my suit like Billy Joel. Christina's sitting next to me. They show the clip. I win the 10000 <laughs> No! Win the 10000 live on television. Dave Coulier hands me the check. It was like a, a $35,000 a week, I think, if you add it all up. And I Monday, I went into my, the restaurant, Spumante, across from Jerry's Deli on the curve. Yeah. And I said, I think I'm in show business. I'm going to give you two weeks' notice, and I'm just going to start, you know, going for this. And that's what happened. And then for 30 years, I did stand-up acting, got writing for the Wayans Brothers and, and for Wayne Brady, and then started doing my own stuff like you. And, and then uh, that was that was like uh, my, my arc, the early arc. That is more than a... <laughs> That's not just a light bulb moment. That's an origin story. You didn't know any of that. No. I got one more question. But I do that. remember <laughs> how you were one of the first people to blow up. But you had like three years on me. And so that was all. That's a lot. But you did. You know what's funny? There's people that I, and I really like some people. And, but they're like, how long have you been doing comedy? I'm like, they're like nine years. And they haven't exactly. But that's not a lot of time, really. It's not, but within yeah. three years. Yeah, I was. I went from like literally. But you worked scratch, at yeah. the fucking every right. goddamn night, and yeah. these weren't lucky. Yeah. These were. Yeah. These were preparation meets preparedness meets opportunity. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. like a lucky break. It was a lucky break, but you were ready to take it and after then, three years. And comedy was booming. Yeah, we, we were all getting opportunities. And remember, like like one of your first agencies, APA, which I always also was at. They were like starting comedy departments. Yes. For for, for personal appearance and for yes. comedic actors, mm -hmm. it was exploding. The other crazy thing is, so now I grad, I'm graduating BU, and I'm, I got to move to California. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going to live. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody. So my mother, Jewish geography, starts talking to her Mahjong pals, and like, oh, my son's trying to move to California. Oh, I heard Maxine is, is uh, renting a room in her house. She lives in Studio City. So my mother's like, do you know where Studio City is? I said, no, this is after this, this is before this, all this. this. Is, this is, yeah, so I just wanted to know what else was happening in those early years, just for comedy references. I meet this woman Maxine over the phone. Mm -hmm. Maxine babysat my mother at the beach when she was like fourteen, and my mother was twelve. You know, like our grandmothers were friends. Like, hey, yeah. watch the girls. I'm gonna go get the food. So they they had been slightly in touch, and I talked to her on the phone. And Maxine was a little Jewish woman from. Um, from Boston, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. And she went to New York and she was a secretary at an entertainment law firm. And she was like early 20s. Mm -hmm. And they signed a new young comedian named Richard Pryor. So Richard Pryor came into the office, signed with the uh, attorney, and him and Maxine hit it off. This is 60s, 70s, interracial relationships, not like today. Mm hmm so they got married. She was she was the second. Jesus, second, right, right. They got married, and and they had a, a daughter, Elizabeth. That's incredible. Elizabeth is, you know, on TED Talks. She's a a, a um a uh, an author. She's a, a a professor at Smith College. Um, Maxine was my housemate. I rented a room in her house in Richard Pryor's house in Studio City for five hundred dollars a month. Wait. Yes, I came out here to be a comedian, and I was living in Richard Pryor's house for five years, month to month, for five hundred dollars. 
and seeing Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, all this stuff. The it's, night. Yeah. This yeah. is yeah. like. I'm Forrest Gump. This simulation <laughs> is real. Hold on a minute. I think I remember. Well, he also had Rain. Remember, Rain is so, his other daughter, right. so which got, I knew. Right. He had a daughter, Rain, with. Yeah, she was a show business daughter. Elizabeth was. Went to Tufts and got, you know, masters and everything. So they, wait, the girl you live with, who, who, what was her name? Maxine. Maxine. Yeah, was Richard's second wife. But the daughter was Elizabeth. Elizabeth went to Tufts, but on the, in the summer she came home and she worked on Harlem Nights with Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. But so hold on, so you lived in Richard Pryor's House. for 500 a month. Was yeah, Richard like, ever there? Never. He was already on so Wife's Number 4. It was one of his houses. I heard some animated conversations with attorneys over the time, but... But um, wait, so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like his house where he lived. It, it was his house that he lost in a divorce, <laughs> basically, right? It was, it was yeah. You know, okay, yeah, but yeah. The, the mojo's there. Oh, she would tell me, like, I was a new comic, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to audition for Mitzi at the comic store. She goes, oh, let me give you some advice. Richard, I remember Richard said, you have to make sure she's in the room, because sometimes they say she's in the room. Like, she knew stuff. Yeah. You know, like the first time I was doing TV, she's like, I remember when Richard was doing Merv Griffin. Like, he, I remember he was he was focused on how he looked here up because that's where the TV's going. She knew stuff. She was, yeah. She's she kind of just like real life stuff. So the daughter owned the house? Or no, Richard no, did, but she was like, I'm going to rent a room. No, it was, it was it, no, it was, Maxine was his ex-wife. I live with the ex-wife. 500 <laughs> a month. Well, that's 1991. And that's the thing. People ask me, I'm sure they ask you all the time for like advice. Like I'm coming out to LA. I'm going to do comedy. Do advice, or I've just moved out here. Do you have any advice? I go, let me tell you something. First of all, it's so different. When I came out here, there was no internet. There was no YouTube. If people wanted to see your comedy, they had to come to the club. Yeah. They had to come to the club and they did. Yeah. And, and you were a rock star and you were in your environment and they saw you with a live audience. Yeah. And they really, you know, the, then it was became send me a tape and all that. Um, also, it was $500 for rent average. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you could get, you could get, five years later, I got my first apartment for $750, you know, two bedroom, two bathroom. That's a lot. That's actually a good deal, no, no, no. but that's yeah. still a lot. Right you had by two Gelson's, right by Gelson's there on, on Riverside. It was, it, it was a different time. You know, there's a different economy. So, but you could come out here and you could afford to struggle. Yes, you could afford to go to open mics, get a waiting job. Yes, pay pay your bills and work on your craft. And now, it's very difficult, right? Even acting class is expensive now. Yeah, and and if you come out here and you're not financially prepared. Then you know you're gonna end up on Pornhub. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, only, well, I tell people that their overhead they got to cut all that. Don't have big overhead. I never had a lot of overhead. Are you doing business planning too, like me? No. <laughs> Wait, dude, this That's good is good advice, though. Yeah, this is insane. I knew some stories, but I didn't know that. Can I give you one more? Uh, Forrest this, Gump? Are you kidding me, dude? This, you're, okay. I don't have to do anything. Um, How's that, Duncan? Delicious, by the way. Shout out to Duncan. And I to went to the original store, of Sarah Mello. I think it's oh, from I always there. Saw, yeah, Sarah's great. I know Sarah. It's from, where is that part of Massachusetts? Oh, she's from, uh, um, she, I remember that. She, yeah. But that is, yeah. I think she's from the home of Duncan. Braintree? Is it Braintree? I don't know, that? but Duncan. Oh, Needham, Needham. I think it was started in Needham, Mass, but I, I think Sarah was by the, by the water. So, uh, North Shore, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I love Duncan. Sarah, uh, DM when the thing airs and tell us what town you're from again in yes. Boston. Okay, I'm working at Ken's Steakhouse in Framingham. It's a family-owned restaurant. Wait. Where was it? Framingham? Framingham, 20 miles west of Boston. Okay. So, oh, I know where that is. So, it, Ken's was big here too or no? Ken's is a family restaurant. It's a, a legendary local restaurant. It got bigger and bigger and more popular. And then people liked the salad dressing so much, like the 70s. 
um, maybe the sixties. They said, "Hey, you know, can we get some salad dressing to go?" So they started giving people. So they started bottling it. That's what I see. And then they started really bottling it, and now it's like a billion dollar um, empire that you see in Ralphs and on airplanes and everything. Yeah. And it's a Boston steakhouse. Restaurants buy tubs of it. Yeah, it's like it's it's the Coke of salad dressing. Okay, gotcha. And. But it was a family-owned restaurant, and all the kids lived in my neighborhood, all the grandchildren. And so I got a job in the dishwasher at 14. We got cash in an envelope every Wednesday, two fifty an hour, minimum wage. T- mm-hmm. Cash in an envelope because we're under, you know, underage. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Can't do that anymore. All yeah. that fun stuff. But one day I was, I was a busboy, and um, I learned how to cook there. I did every job there. It was great. And I was a busboy, and sometimes celebrities would come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Bird, when he was Larry Bird, like would come in with a T-shirt. This is mid '80s, early '80s. This is, um, let's see, '84. No, this is. Uh, um, I'm probably. Uh, You're 52. Uh, sure. Um, it was just like '80, 80, '81. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> early '80s. What's the over under on '52? This is so. This is no. after Larry killed it in the NCAA. 80, well, '81. Yeah, yeah. This 80, is you know your stuff. Okay. 80, '81 was when they he, they went all the way. So when him yeah. and Magic were back it, and forth. Bert, people forget Bird had a wait a they, Celtics had a wait a year. They signed Bird had a wait a year, and he did his his uh, senior year. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and uh, lost to Magic in the uh, NCAA finals. It's crazy. And then waited a year. They came back and they lost. Uh, they didn't get in the first year. Then the next year they ended up. Uh, beating the Houston Rockets in the finals, and then '84 was the first year that yes. I met that epic series. Okay, I'm at Ken Steakhouse. I'm I'm a 15 year old busboy, so we're it's '70s. It, mm-hmm. It's '80. It's '80, '81, mm-hmm. and Paul Newman walks in. Okay, Paul Newman, 1980, was about as big a movie star in the world. Walks in with his daughter, comes to the table, wow. and he says, um, "Hey, how you doing, young man? Uh, is Ken here?" And I said, "Yeah, as a matter of fact, he is." He said, would you mind if uh, I speak with him? So, of course not. Of course, Mr. Newman. You know. So they sit at the table, and I go through the kitchen, and I run to Ken's office in the back corner. I said, Ken, Paul Newman's here. He's asking about you. Okay, Ken, I'll be right out. I'll be right out. So Ken comes out. I'm clearing the other two settings. Mm-hmm. It's a four-top. It's just Paul and his daughter. Clearing the and as I'm there, Ken comes out, and this is the conversation. Ken, I started a, a camp for, for the, uh, the sick children that we're helping, and... Uh, we're starting to do some snacks to raise money, like popcorn. Maybe we could do a salad dressing or something like that. I was thinking we could get together with that. And Ken goes, Paul, whatever you want to do, we'll do. You want to do a salad dressing, we'll do. Just talk to, talk to Joe. So that was the conversation. And then three months later, the newspaper says, Ken Steakhouse announces they're going to bottle Newman's own dressing. <laughs> you know how many billion... No dollars and dressings. They've so, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, I was right there. It's like Forrest Gump. Dude, you really <laughs> are fucking Forrest Gump. Were you there when the Berlin Wall was taken down? Did you? Were you prior to that conversation? My uncle. <laughs> Dude, this My is uncle insane. For Reagan. So, anyways, so. But but the comedy you were there when Newman fucking came up with the dressing with Ken. Yeah, they're like, let's do uh, because that do? people not listening. Newman's got a ton of products, but yeah, that was the right. first one I remember Newman's seeing it at Ralph. Of course, it was everywhere, and and now he has a whole wow. line of dressings, and um and you you could look on the back. It, most of those are bottled at Ken's Foods, which is yeah still Ken's, Southern which is Foods. from that area. I'm still friends with the family. I did a show at the at the Improv in Palm Springs, and Kathy Hannah, hi Kathy, Kathy Hannah, who is the daughter, um. The uh, the granddaughter of Ken, 
Yeah. Um, and probably getting checks every quarter for salad dressing still. Uh, she came out to the shows, and, I mean, I still see them around the country, yeah, and when I go to Boston. So, yeah, it's it, they were like they were like the, the, they were like the Kennedys. Dude. Yeah. But wait. Some, some senior year of college, I worked down the Cape in Hyannisport, and, and I hung out on, on the compound yeah. with uh, – with you know some some uh, what well, my last name is Patrick Patrick I hung out with Patrick and um, Patrick was young Patrick he was what Ted's son probably yeah 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 and, and Ted would come to the bar at closing time too back then Ted Kennedy and oh was, I'm sure he yeah yeah did. he was still going yeah, there I did, a shot, I did a shot with Ted Kennedy really part of the first part of the first cup legacy yes wait <laughs> so how wait where are you from. So I grew up. I grew up in that town, Framingham. Framingham, I know where is that. And then I went to BU, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And then a month after graduating with a business degree, twenty-two. You actually went four years. I did the four years, got the degree, made my parents happy, and I said, I, I need to go do comedy. And they're like, We're not going to stop you. It's in your blood. We support you. You know. And and uh, I had two younger brothers that were that were home still, so they were good. And uh, I just came out by myself, mm. lived at Maxine's house, and just started. Going to open mics and looking at drama log. Did you oh, drama log? This is the this is our bible. But <laughs> wait, did you do comedy in Boston? Right, I I played around. I did some lip sync contests that I won. I did some comedy. Um, my my first my first time ever on stage. Um, they had a comedy hour at lunchtime at Boston University. It was produced by a young entrepreneur in Boston who's like twenty three years old. And he was producing this comedy show. His name was Barry Katz. Jesus Christ, you really are. Okay, so I'm, is... I'm, I'm on the wrestling team, and we're all in front heckling the comics, right? And and probably being better. <laughs> so this comic that's still around in Boston, Chance Langton. You know Chance Langton? I know the name. Heard of that name. Legend, legend back east. And um, he had a guitar, and he did impressions. And that week... Um, in 84, We Are the World debuted mm -hmm. on uh, MTV mm -hmm. and it was running all day. And, uh, and me and my friends were watching that and getting a, getting a, you know, get, getting a kick out of it and starting to do impressions of it, you know? And, uh, so he was doing these music impressions. He goes, uh, any request? And I was just being a wise ass. I said, yeah, do We Are the World. Just mm -hmm. came out, you know? And he's like, uh, everyone laughed, you know, and he goes, uh. But anyway, 400 students in this huge GSU, the, the, the student union. So there was a com free comedy show at lunch. Uh, okay, I've done those. Yeah, so he yeah. was the comic that day. He was paid. the comic that yeah, day. Yeah, I got him. And, and uh, he, goes, I'll, he goes, I'll play We Are The World if you come up here and sing it. Right? Okay. Okay. Talk about being pushed on stage. The wrestlers picked up my chair and put it on the stage. They put me on stage. I had no choice. Okay. So I could like run or turn around and face the crowd. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh. And then he just starts strumming. And then I just I just started doing impressions. Like, I don't even know how I, I did Stevie Wonder. I did Springsteen. I did Ray Charles, you know. And and standing ovation. No. First time ever on stage. Standing ovation. And this guy, Barry Katz, he'll, 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 uh, he will co um, corroborate every detail of this story. Barry Katz comes up to me afterwards. He's like, that was incredible. You need to come do this at the clubs. You, How old are you? <laughs> right. And so we start talking. And basically, I went to Chance Langton's shows 
at clubs in Boston. I was underage. And I got all the popcorn and Cokes that I could eat. And then he would do the same. I learned quick how show business is fixed. So he, he, was, he yeah. then, that, that thing became a bit. That became, so became you, a bit. And so did Chance, let, did he pay you? <laughs> no. He, so he let you come up and you were a plant. And I did. Yeah, I was a plant. Wow. That's how I got into the business. How, so you were what? In college? We are the world. Yeah. <laughs> we are the children. Yeah. So you were what, 2019? We make a better life, so let's start giving. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. And I was, I was a- What club? Bo- what Boston Comedy Club? Stitches. I went to Play It Again Sam's. Mm-hmm. And I did it at Stitches, which was next to the Paradise, the music club. And then, um, yeah, one other. I think there was two or three shows. And then I, and then I just kind of moved on. And then until I- you know, got close to graduation, and I was like, "I'm really going to do this." You know, yeah. I put together a lip sync act with this, with this, uh, with this cute girl. I wrote wrote like a, an act where we did like Paradise by the Dashboard Light and Don't Go Breaking My Heart, and it was like a little medley. I wrote a medley thing, and we were winning every lip sync contest. That was like the big thing. Yeah, in, I remember in, that. In the eighties lip sync contest. Yeah, thousand dollars. Yeah, know, Kiss One Old Kiss Kiss FM. Yeah, and so we we're winning. That I was like, yeah, I was like my side gig, <laughs> winning lip sync contests. So you were doing this for a couple years. Doing that through college. I was on the wrestling team. I was watching Letterman every night and all through college. Matter of fact, um, me and the guys, me and the wrestlers that I live with, one guy came in and said, I got four tickets for Letterman's first anniversary show. Tonight in New York, who's in? And we're like, how are we going to get there? We'll rent a car. Yeah. Five bucks each. (laughs) We cut classes. We, we rent a car, mm-hmm. we drive to Radio City in New York, mm-hmm. wait in line, mm-hmm. and we are in for the Letterman's anniversary show. It was insane, it was epic, and you're not going to believe what happened. I can I can only imagine. I went to John Witherspoon's life celebration, because I worked on Wayans Brothers. Yeah. So I was invited to the celebration of John Witherspoon's life. Yes. About, about three years ago. Yes. And um, we're at this big thing at the uh, Forest Lawn. And who's standing in the front row? David Letterman. Mm-hmm. I've never, never met him in my life. Mm-hmm. I uh, came close to getting the show, but ended up doing Leno, and you know how that was. Yeah. Tom Dreesen's next to him, who I know, and uh, a couple of the comics. So they said, all the comics come down, we can take a picture on the stage, right? So it's everyone. From me to Letterman is going to like head up stage. So as I'm coming down, I look in the stairwell, and I see a couple of comedians I know, and... One of them's like, hey, Bruce, come on over. So I come in to the hallway, like a little hallway, and it's Letterman, and it's Jan Karam, and uh, Sam Quasman, and um, Altman, Jeff Altman, who mm. I, used to do, I used to do gigs with him when I first started. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, Bruce, how are you? So I'm talking to all, and so one person, I think it was Jan, God bless her, she's like, Dave, let me get a picture, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, he's going to freeze everybody out. Yeah. He's like, yeah, come on, sure. He's like a he's like a new relaxed Letterman now, right? So Sam takes her phone and she takes a selfie with him. So then Sam goes, "Let me get one, no problem." Boom. So I'm standing there. I go, I go, uh, I go, okay, let me get one. So as I'm walking over to, to Letterman, I said, "I got a great Letterman story for you." To Letterman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a great you story about you. Okay, I got a great Letterman story for you. So um, it was it was like magical. So they got their picture. Yeah. They cleared out. It's me and Letterman. Wow. And he gave you the time. And all the other comics and Jeff Altman saying, so he knows, okay, 
I either should know this guy or he's one of these, you know, he's a comic. So, you know, you but know, Jeff did comic. know you. Yeah, yeah. No, what I'm saying is Letterman's seeing that his buddy Jeff. Oh, like, so you know him. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. whether he You were co signed. Yeah, I was co signed. Yeah. So I basically uh, I said, Dave, I said, 1984, first anniversary show. I'm a freshman at BU. I told him the whole story. We rented a car, cut class, got there in two and a half hours, wait in line. And I said, You, do you remember the band? You had Ashford and Simpson singing backup. You had Billy Joel with Paul Schaefer on the keyboards, Tom Scott on the horns. as going through the whole thing, and he was looking at me like, like reliving it. Like, because he did it, right? Yeah. And now he's like, he's seeing it from my perspective. Yeah. From the person that was actually out there that he was doing it for. Yeah. And I'm, as I'm t- seeing it, I'm, he's getting misty-eyed. Let him in. And, and, and he grabs my arm, and, and I, I told him the story, and I said, Dave... I said, you know, I'm 50 years old, and I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. And he looked at me, and he grabbed my arm. He goes, that was really neat. Thanks for sharing that with me. And I felt like I came full circle in that moment. It was like, wow. Like, Letterman was every night for seven years of my life. That inspired me to be a sarcastic comedian. (laughs) So it was like, okay, Seinfeld, boom, right? Right? Letterman, boom. The other one was Eddie Murphy, who I thought I'd never meet. And Mm -hmm. then there I was at... Chocolate Sunday performing with Chris Spencer at the Laugh Factory, and all of a sudden I'm doing my jokes, and all of a sudden I hear, uh, 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 and I see out of the corner of my eye that Eddie Murphy's in the, that corner seat, and he's watching my set. What year was that? Uh, 90s. 90s. Yeah. He didn't go up. No. You know, he just came to check out the comics. So I was like, okay. Wow. Yeah. The only one I haven't met is Bruce Springsteen. I feel like after this pod. <laughs> But I know his chiropractor, and so do you. <laughs> <laughs> Is he his chiropractor? Doctor De- Dean has adjusted the boss. He has. Oh, it's part of his uh, legend. Absolutely. Wow. Ask him about it. You got an hour and a half story. <laughs> Dude, He'll hold on. Because he has multiple stories. Uh, okay. Isn't it like can Boston you tell I pre- to can me? You, by the way, can you tell I prepared for the show? Yes, I, I've, I'm honored. I've done four out of the ten things I've listed. Really. Yeah. I wanted to tell you about how. Keep going. Okay, so when I'll you shut when up. You, you know how different you know how different the, the industry is now. I mean, I, it's almost disappointing. What industry? Compared, right there, you go. Right, right, right. So, um, explain that yeah. to people though. How okay. it's so different. Okay, so Jamie Kennedy and I in, yeah. in, in in no seriously in the in in you know I came up to you in in ninety two and mm-hmm. I said, hey Jamie, I think you're funny, man. I'd love to have you on this showcase we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, what is it? And I'm like, you're much. Nicer than that. I'm just making you seem gruff. And you're like, I was like, dude, me and Marvin and Bill Torres and you're the four of us. It's gonna be called a few good men because the movie was a few good men. It was a big hit with Nicholson and yeah, you can't handle it. Okay, so we had this poster and we put it up everywhere and we we had we called the agents and the casting and all that and our agents called and we 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 packed the upstairs. Because we wanted to do a set where it was just like four of us, where, where the focus was on we're looking for you know agents and we're looking to do TV, and, and so we set up our own showcase, right? And they so it's at the top, yeah, of the Improv for everyone knowing on Third Street, uh, Melrose. Oh, it's Melrose. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was Melrose, but we didn't get the main stage. But they know. had a top room, which they, no one can it was, understand. Right. It was new. It was new. Yeah, yeah. We, we, and that's the thing. We we can do our own showcase up there. And Sally Schaub, for you comedy aficionados, um, was managing. Was she managing you too? No, she but was Sally was so great. She was so sweet. She was a huge um, comedy fan. I mean, she rode a bike around. Like it was, yeah. she was just like a real unique 
character and very sweet lady. She loved comedy. And she wanted to help us. So we did this. She managed, I think, uh, some of the other guys. And we did this showcase. And I, I'm not, I'm not for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that you might have gotten like APA or KDB from like that started uh, something. People saw you that night and and they started to go, hey, we, this guy. This, yeah, I right? definitely got some love yeah. off of that. You got show. some love off of that show. Yes, and then like. So we would put together our showcases and people would come, come out and see us and then all of a sudden like casting directors knew us and network people knew us and all this stuff and I don't know if they even do that. Now it's like, uh, what's their Instagram? Let me see how many followers they have. We were the original self-produced show but you were already killing it. No, I mean, listen, but, we, we were all hustling. It's a, it was a constant hustle. But it was always yeah. a hustle and yeah. so we were like, because you would have to put your hat name in the hat on the Monday, and then you get assigned a spot on like a Monday or two Mondays from the now. Store, right. And so that's when I got fired from Mrs. Gucci's because I had, I was working there during the day. Don't and, tell me uh, Coldwater. No, Beverly Hills. Beverly's, okay. And I said, I have a, a spot tonight at the improv. They go, You're a comic? I go, Well, I'm aspiring, but I have to make yeah. my, my spot. They that go, It's it. open a mic spot mm -hmm. for three minutes. And I go, Yeah, but Bud Friedman's going to be there. And they go, but it's open mic. This is a job. And they right. said, if you go, you lose your job. And I said, then I guess I lost my job. Same exactly. Jamie, I, I left to go to an audition. I told one other person that worked, I said, I'll be back before the shift even starts. And then someone, and it's always a manager that. Middle, middle manager. Middle manager that wanted to be something. Mm -hmm. And they sold out their soul yeah. for, for the job or, or gave up. And they, they do not like or appreciate the fact that other people have dreams yeah so it's true and it chasing them and i'm giving up yet right that's true so you know in hollywood you just if you stay with it you just die of hope mm -hmm. and um natural causes no he died of hope mm -hmm. there's <laughs> 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 he, he, another series like right around the corner you know <laughs> it's so true <laughs> it's right it's harrison ford says if you're in the if you stay in the game though something will happen I, I believe that if you're there long enough because they advice. just so the, you can't kill this person another thing I thought of about to, to share with you and I was going to share it near the end but I'll share it right now go for it is like people ask for advice all the time that to people of people that have been in the business and this is not just showbiz advice but this is life advice mm -hmm. and I know you've heard this this you know you can lose the game mm -hmm. but don't lose the lesson but I think that's everything now. I think you can lose the job, the audition, the callback, the pickup, but don't lose the let. You can lose the relationship, Jamie, mm -hmm. with, a, with a woman, mm -hmm. but don't lose the lesson. Like if you learned about toxic, narcissistic behavior, don't lose that lesson. You see red flags early next time. Don't do that again. Mm -hmm. If if you had a, a bad situation with a, a business. You can lose that money, but mm -hmm. don't lose the lesson. So you don't keep repeating the mistakes. Because the people that learn from the mistakes is the difference between the people that become successful in life, yeah, in their business, in their relationships, and the people that keep repeating their mistakes. Yeah, we could look at people that are have repeated their mistakes and they're not going anywhere. We all have that in life. So that's something that, as I get older now, um, I've really. I've had so many lessons <laughs> yeah. that I, I'm not going to lose those lessons. Like I'm not going to lose that info. And, and I love that you have all this up here because, um, one of my good friends, uh, over the years, Dwayne Martin, 
and great guy. Love Dwayne. Dwayne is so great. Scream 2 shout out. There you go, right? Scream 2 shout out, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you're Kevin Bacon, not me. I don't know. The new I, Kevin Bacon. I have some bacon <laughs> for sure. connections. You absolutely do. And, and um, Dwayne came to my house for a business meeting. Mm-hmm. And in my office, like you, I have sort of a, a corner where it's like my, my stuff. Your achievements. We all do. Right. It's our little like memorabilia. And, and Dwayne said, I love that you have this and don't ever, you know, not have this. He goes, because you, you need to remember your wins. Remember your wins. Because, you know, it gets hard and there's struggles and stuff. But you really get, because you got to remember, oh, you did that. I mm-hmm. did that. Because you can do it again. Yeah. He said, he said, he said remember your wins. I love that. That's so, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. It's so different now, like what you were saying. I mean, and you have such insight. I mean, really, seriously, dude, you're incredible. But it, but the business is just what you just said. It's so not like think about it, just people coming out to clubs. I tell people this, like, I, I, if I do a show, I might do. If I'm at the club, I'll do two shows in a night, right? On on like the the club with. During the week, but when I, we were coming up, guys like names weren't doing the shows. It was the newer comics. It was a place for newer comics to grow. Mm-hmm. And now, the improv, the yeah, yeah, and the factory, yeah. and the factory. Oh yeah, it right. was like yeah. there was a new face night. There was a development spot, mm-hmm. and I feel like now. That's just different. New, like you, New Faces was Tuesday night at the Santa Monica Improv. Hundred percent, and they wanted to. Were you ever cultivate. on that? Yeah, I thought course. so. Yeah, Gene Pompa, of course. Gene Sh- Sherry Shepard, mm-hmm. guy named Peter Sears that went on to write for the Tonight Show for many years. A young John Ridley. Wow! Yeah, and amazing. Then, I think he had gotten uh, Martin. Yeah, he also wrote he Three wrote Kings, Martin, and then he ended up writing films. For yeah, Three Kings, mm-hmm. and um, uh, great, great dude. Um, and then uh, he yeah. had that great joke. Here's one of his jokes I remember. Oh, okay. Uh, everyone talks about dolphin safe tuna. <laughs> what about tuna safe tuna? That <laughs> <laughs> just kills me. I remember that. Like, like no, would the tuna right, don't right, have right, feelings? Right, yeah, that, uh, tuna, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Um, I know you don't like writing jokes. You you like no. I no. still do. You still like no. You here's don't love the thing. It. It, here's the issue. You're a natural performer and actor. You are yeah. a performer. You're not. I get it. No, I. I, I am. Why you're great. I. Uh, you're <laughs> and the too breaks. Kind. No, the, I, I am. Like. By the way, my sons. I'm sorry. I keep cutting off the host. You know, no, it's me back. good. I no, talk no, too much. No, my sons are 19 and 16. Yeah. And I show them when you do the judge and some of the stuff, and they're laughing their asses off. Thank and you. that goes. That it's timeless comedy. And the, and Thank by you. the way, this generation loves pranks. Yeah. They love pranks. Like you could literally bring Jamie Kennedy experiment back. I want to. But you know, I, I, well, I'll be yeah. canceled. No, if you did it your way, it would be a hit. I say I the audience will like it. It's just a matter of getting these these gatekeepers to Jay, distribute Jay, it. Jamie on the Capitol steps with yes. a couple of friends, yeah, that kind of stuff. It would be great. It's true, but um, the Capitol. But wait, you just said something that was. Oh, really- oh, I'm sorry. So you were you were. Oh, a jokes. Uh, here's the thing. I there's two like to me. I think about this, bro. And you tell me. I always like comedy is so. Different now. First of all, it was the, how can I say this? It was almost the asshole of art form. 
Um, it was the. It was where you failed at everything else, and you go, "I'll do this." Yeah, it was like the class clown guy that wasn't going to do anything else. Like, yes, yeah. the greatest voices in art come out of it, mm-hmm. but at the time, it wasn't. You know, Eddie Murphy, I would consider our first real sexy yeah. rock star. I mean, mm-hmm. Steve Martin was a sexy rock star mm-hmm. too. So those yeah. are the first two. Mm-hmm. To do it and arenify it, you know, and then we went from Dice and Dane and everybody. But so you have that, but like it was archetypes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're an archetype. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we I I, I was the goofy guy. Yeah, no, y- you know, yeah. I fucking Carlos Mencia was the angry Mexican. Yeah, yeah. You know, you had the fat lesbian. You had mm-hmm. the angry black guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, now everyone had a hook, and now there it's just like. There are so many people doing comedy. And I tell people, like, the cute young ingenue in comedy when I started was me. Like, that was, mm-hmm. there. Was, it wasn't yeah. like, it was a freak show. 